0: after Liverpool won Fulham nil in the Premier League. An unconvincing, but ultimately convincing win for Liverpool. Uh, 1-0 on the night. We had some opportunities where we could have scored more, but the final ball routinely let us down. Um, They had a couple of good opportunities, the most notable of which been a late chance for Carlos Vinicius, from which Allison made a great save. We were the better team on the night and undoubtedly deserved the three points. But if they nabbed a draw late on, I don't really think we could have complained too much because we were so wasteful with those final balls. We did allow them to survive moments where we looked like we might open them up. We had a couple of ill-advised shots as well, shall we say, when we could have slipped a pass to somebody Good, who might have scored a goal. But we survived. That's now five wins in a row. First time all season. Does need to be taken into account who we've played and the form that those teams are in. But at the same time, we're going to take every point we can get. We are fifth in the league and we're looking a fairly safe bet to finish fifth. We're now five points clear of both Spurs and Villa with the same number of games played we're four points behind United which has gotten a lot of people quite excited but I would temper that that excitement they have two games in hand and if we win all four we end on 71 points which means they only need nine points in their last six games the same I would say of Newcastle we're six points behind them but they have a game in hand And they have a significantly better goal difference than us. So six points will do them. They face Arsenal at the weekend. I think they'll beat Arsenal. Then they play Leeds. I think they beat Leeds. After that, they've got Brighton at home, Leicester at home, and Chelsea away. I just don't see any circumstance in which they don't end up in the top four. But we have seen stranger things happen in the past. We have seen teams have historic collapses. Hello, Brendan Rogers. Hope you're well. Your Leicester team had two of the most hilarious collapses from a nailed-on top-four position uh, that we've ever seen. United have Brighton away. I think they lose that game tonight. Then they go to West Ham. I think they'll win that. They'll beat Wolves at home. They'll beat Chelsea at home and they'll beat Fulham at home. So they're going to get their points. We just need to focus on ourselves. We just need to focus on the four matches we have left. We have two tough games left and two what should be straightforward games left. The tough games are the home games, Brentford and Villa. Brentford, because of how they counterattack and the way they're set up, could expose the flaws in our current system they attack really well at pace on the counter. Ivan Tony has a history of doing well not a history of doing well. He's done well against us in a couple of games. I don't know if you can class it as a history because there hasn't been enough games, but he has generally done well against us. So that will be tough on Saturday. Leicester on the follow on the the Monday week should be straightforward enough because they're not very good, but they are scrapping for relegation against relegation so you know they, they'll definitely turn up. Villa at home will be tough. Unai Emery's done a, a remarkable job. Their points per game under him is an easy top four finish. Which, when you consider their points per game under Gerard at the start of the season, was relegation form, and not just relegation form, but like likely going down bottom. It's an incredible turnaround. He's only bought one player as well, so they'll be tough. And then Saints on the final day should be straightforward because they'll almost certainly already be down. And maybe we can just use that trip to do a bit of business with them and, and nab a player or two Uh, because they do have a few players that would fit very nicely into what we need to do. But We take the three from last night and it means that we've actually taken more points than Arsenal over the last 15 games, which is pretty impressive considering we've had some Horrendous performances in our last 15 games. On This is Anfield, there is a piece about Curtis, a nervy end and a clear penalty, clever penalty. Um, it's not a clever penalty. It's a, it's a blatant penalty. And there's been some bizarre narrative launched around this that Darwin dived. He simply didn't. He nicked the ball away from Diop. Diop kicked the air. And he caught Darwin on his tie with his own thigh. So it's a penalty. He knocks him. There's no question there. Curtis had another decent game last night. His pass completion was good. The the final ball was a little bit iffy. He had two opportunities to slip a ball into the gap for one of our forward players. And he mucked both of them up. But overall, I think we have to be very pleased with Curtis's game again. Darwin himself didn't have a particularly good game. But, I mean, the system's not really set up for him to thrive. We'll see how it goes. I, I still have no no doubts that he's going to be absolutely fine and score loads of goals next season. None at all. Uh, Trent's roulette and coronation chance. Four things fans are talking about post-Fulham. Mo Salah shows his distaste for the Europa League in tame Liverpool win. Uh, Mo scoring again last night, this time from the penalty spot. He is just an absolute machine. An absolute freak of nature is what this fella is. It doesn't matter how we use him, what we ask him to do. He just produces time and time again. Again, last night, didn't think he had the best game. Don't particularly like the way he's being used in this system. He's been asked to play far too, or to have his starting position be far too wide and all he's been asked to do far too much. I mean, last night we saw Mo having to track runners where the midfielder should have been tracking them and Mo was having to do that job. That's not what we should have him doing. Uh, This season in the Premier League, 18 goals and seven assists. That would be a career year for most people. This is considered a down year for Mo. Across all competitions is 29 and 11. 40 goals and assists. Now that does include the community shield, obviously, but 39, uh, sorry, 38 goals and assists. If you take out the community shield, 28 goals and 10 assists, but it does seem like the community shield does count as an official number. So we're going to take it and run. <coughs> that puts Mo only two goals off. Last year's tally of 31, which is also the tally he got the year before. He's still got four games left this season. And if he plays all four, which you assume he will, that'll be 51 games, which is the same as last season, and the season before. This guy is 50, 51 appearances every season, 31 goals every season. He is just ridiculous. He's averaging 31 goals across his tenure at Liverpool, which is insanity, absolute insanity. Um he is going to pass Stevie this season in terms of the all-time goal scorers, most likely, which, again, is just, it's a great achievement by a great, great player, arguably the greatest attacker in club history. I mean, people will say, oh, well, Rush and whoever else, but Mo's goals per game ratio is significantly better than Ian Rush despite playing wider than Ian Rush. He's passed Fowler, he's passed Owen, past Kenny. Billy Little played in a completely different era of football. As did Gordon Hodgson. It's very hard to compare those eras. Mo's goals per game is better than Roger Hunt. Suarez was a better player, in my view. But we only had Suarez for three and a half years. Mo's been here five and will remain for at least another two, and hopefully beyond that. And we we really have to embrace every minute we get with him because he is just such a special player. And I reiterate what I said yesterday. I think he will be capable of performing at a high level at age 34, 35, 36, and I want that to be with us. I don't want to hear in two years that Liverpool have decided not to renew the contract of Mo Salah because he's 33, when at 31 we gave Jordan Henderson a four-year contract, despite the fact he was coming off a bad season and a bad injury. We need to keep Salah until he's going back to Egypt. He cannot play for the European club. Journalist reveals James Milner will leave Liverpool on a free transfer. Uh, This is reported by um, David Lynch. Says Milner has elected to end an eight-year stay when his contract expires rather than pen a 12-month extension, which the fact that he had the option to pen an extension is very concerning when you look at... The, the loyal but not too loyal stuff from Jurgen. Um Melissa Reddy says that the move to Brighton is all but done. I think it's a weird move for him. He's not going to get many games there. But, you know, it's, it's certainly a, a nice place to live and, and a good club to join. I just don't see how he fits. Like, he's not getting in over. He's not getting in at right back for them. He's certainly not getting in at left back. He doesn't have the legs to play in midfield anymore. Just because he can run really slowly for long periods of time in a lactate test doesn't mean he's got the legs to play midfield in a Premier League game. We've seen this season that he does not. We saw last season that he does not. We saw the season before that he does not as well. Um, Liverpool legend left unemployed as jury duty denies Sam Allardyce's role. So Sammy Lee obviously has worked with Sam Allardyce for years and they've been all over together. And it was expected with Sam going to Leeds that Sammy Lee would join him, but he's on jury service and they wouldn't let him off. Allardyce said, I find that to be very, very poor judgment. Indeed. It's a real shame because the wee man loves being with me and I love with him. Um, <laughs> Carl Robinson, former Liverpool Academy player, former MK Dons and Oxford United manager, will be one of his uh, assistants there. Uh, Robinson, in his own right, is a a decent young manager. I don't think he's all that young anymore, but certainly a guy that um, has worked with Sam before. He was with him at, at Bolton and at Blackburn. Robbie Keane has also stepped in. Not really sure... What the link is there. Don't think Sam managed him at any point, but Robbie obviously played for Leeds and is looking to move into a more regular coaching. So, so we'll see as uh, a report here that Xavi Alonso could be in the frame for the Spurs job. I think it's far too early for him to consider such a thing. I think he's best staying where he is, uh, for probably the next. Two years after this one, getting the experience, getting them into the Champions League, seeing how he does at that level. Jurgen Klopp praises Fulham, praises Liverpool target Joao Polinia as Fulham's connector. 20 million he went for last summer. 20 million. We tried to sign too many, couldn't get him. Joao Pelinha, stylistically... Has some similarities to Chiamani. Was available for twenty million and we sat on our hands. And now you want to praise him. Tremendous stuff. Um this is Anfield have player ratings up for the team last night. Uh the averages Allison eight, Trent seven point nine, Kanate six point nine. That's brought down by the goal. Whoever did the ratings on goal gave him a six. Because they're an idiot. Uh, Virgil, 7.3. Costas, 6.2. I think that's a little bit harsh. Um, He got 5.4 off the This Is Anfield readers. Uh, Costas had a decent game last night. Fabinho, 6.9. Henderson, 6.5. Jones, 6.6. Salah, 7.2. Diaz, 6.9. And Darwin, six. So one of the things they use here is the foot mob stats, which are obviously just based on actions and statistics throughout the game. And I would take umbrage with using this source because they gave Henderson a 75 and Curtis is 6.8. And anybody with a set of eyes could see that Curtis had the far better game. They actually rated Henderson as the best of the midfielders when clearly he was the worst of the midfielders. But more strange than that is they gave Darwin 7.1 and Diaz 7. So they're saying that Darwin had a better game than Diaz. And you'll get children running along claiming that that is reflective of what took place last night. Darwin was not good last night, he won the penalty which ultimately won us the game, but he was not good last night by any stretch, and neither was his captain. Um, We'll move on to liverpool.com. Even Jurgen Klopp cannot have seen Liverpool turn around as best defender versus Fulham says it all. Uh, Liverpool must pay $63 to secure transfer as Xabi Alonso now serious contender for Spurs job. Sixty-three million for who? It's sixty-three million dollars. I should point out, not euro or pound. Um, oh, Joe Polinia, <laughs> fifty million. You paid twenty from a year ago. Uh, to be fair, um, he's a really good player. But I wouldn't pay fifty million for him, not when I could have got him for twenty last summer. No chance. Not when I can get Ugart for the same kind of money who's six years younger and more suited to what we actually need in this new shape. in the old shape, Polinia was a a really nice fit in this shape, I think it might be a little bit awkward um. Liverpool can look at a hundred and eighty million duo to solve Andy Robertson issue Trent Alexander Arnold created. Right. The picture is of Jurian Timber. And Jurian Timber is one of the ones listed here. Um fifty five million dollars to be forty four million pounds. Who would the rest of it oh, just go on? Oh, Josco Gvardiol. <clears throat> okay. Well, Gvardiol will be too expensive and Timber is too small. Um, so, you know, those are just the, the facts of the matter. You could sign Gankalo Inacio for a £39 million release clause, is what it actually is for him, which is a bargain. Um, is he as good as Gvardiol? Yeah, he probably is. He probably is right now. Does he have Guardiola's ceiling? No. No, he doesn't. But it's an easier path for him to max his talent than it is for Josco. And he's a better fit in this system than Guardiola would be. So getting him for 39 million and signing like Bella Kotchap or Maxence Lacroix to be the backup to Ibu, who could also be cover for Virgil, You'd get Lacroix probably for 30 million. So you could pay 69 million for the two of them, or you could get Bellacotchup probably 35 million. So you're looking at 74 million for Bellacotchup and Anasio. I think I'd go Lacroix and Anasio if it was me. I really like Bellacotchup, but. No, you know what? I'd take either. I'd take either. There's other options on the left side as well. I think you'd get Incapier for a similar fee. You get lekeba Lake, uh, for a similar fee, so there's there's just there's no logical sense in signing Josco Gvardiol when we've got so much else to do. Like with Jude, um, it just doesn't make sense. On Jude, the spoofer with the catchphrase reported yesterday, or reported yesterday, he claimed yesterday that Jude to Real Madrid is almost done. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, it, it, we obviously pulled out of the deal but if the rumored fee of 88 million plus add-ons is true i think i think that does give people the right to be really pissed off about it because it was one thing when we thought the price was 120 130 the price is 88 and we've just sat back that's that's really poor um same spoofer with same catchphrase also said that we're confident of getting alexis mcallister in the door i think that's something everybody already knew that he was one who's very high up on our list and likely to play the left-sided eight role, the role Curtis is currently playing. I think he's tailor-made for that position. But it does raise questions over who would play on the right. A lot of people are obsessed with Mason Mount and what he could do there. But for me, he's just not the right profile player. Because if we're going Ugart. And Alexis on the left of that box midfield. I feel like we should be looking at a more defensive player in front of Trent. Someone who's more of a box-to-box ball winner type. Rather than an attacking final third goal scorer type. Myself and Carol chatted about it in the last two scouted, And I, I have kind of settled on Manu Kone. I think he would be perfect. I think he's his ball winning, his aggression, his pressing ability, his counter-pressing ability, his ability and willingness to track runners, his ball carrying through the, through the middle third is exceptional as well. I think if you put Manu Kone and Manu Lugart in the same team, I think all of a sudden we become a very, very scary prospect for a lot of teams add them to the playmaking of Trent and Alexis, and then the the firepower we have in attack, Mo, Gakpo, Diaz, Darwin, Jota, whatever three is on the pitch, with a back three of, say, Ibu, Virgil, Ananasio, and then you've got, let's say, Lacroix, Robertson, I suppose Seth Vandenberg would be one of the, the squad players. That's pretty, pretty strong. And then the depth in midfield would be Fabinho, Thiago, assuming he stays, Curtis, Henderson, Besetic. I should have added Harvey in that, that attacking group, the front, the front group, but he won't, wouldn't start very often over Mo. The only thing we'd need to do after getting those three midfielders and that left-footed centre-back for this summer, sorry, and the two centre-backs for this summer would be a right-back and a backup goalkeeper. But again, we probably won't do all of them this summer. So you're probably looking at Joe Gomez as the backup to Ibu. So you'd have Allison plus probably one new arrival and one of the academy kids as the three goalkeepers because I think everybody expects Cueven Keller to leave. And I think Adrian probably leaves as well. So it could be Pitaluga and Timo Horn, Ron Robert Zeler, somebody of that nature. Zeler would make a lot of sense because he's a homegrown player, having spent a good chunk of his academy career with United. Um, Inascio and Robertson are sort of the left-back options Virgil with Sepp as the backup, but Gomez can play there and Inasio can play there, so Sepp would only be really in the squad for a League Cup game and the fact that he's a homegrown player who'll count towards the quota. Ibu and Joe as the right-sided ones. Trent, plus, we need one there. We need one there this summer, especially with this new role, because it's it's quite complex and requires a player who can also play in midfield. Then you're looking right-sided, eight, Kone with, I suppose, Henderson as the primary backup. there. Seems to be what would make the most sense. Alexis with Thiago and Curtis, although I prefer... Alexis with Thiago and Curtis, and then Fabi, and then Ugart, Fabinho, and Bassettage. But Curtis can play both sides, and then Moens, Harvey, Cody, and Darwin, Diaz, and and uh, Jota. So that's Inacio plus three midfielders and a right back. That's five players plus the goalkeeper. So six players needed this summer. That's before you consider replacing Joe Gomez, upgrading on him it's before you consider doing anything else that might need to happen in a year. But we need six in this summer. We need six in this summer. And people will say Ramsey and Bradley. Bradley's played League One. He was really good, but it's League One. And Ramsey's got quite a serious knee injury and we don't know when he'll be back. Somebody needs to arrive this summer to be a backup to Trent. So signing a Jude, a Gvardiol doesn't really make sense if the prices are 100 million plus. But if that Jude price is a little bit lower and you could have structured it where you don't pay an, an enormous sum up front, it, it does seem like we've maybe just allowed that one to go a little bit too passively. Um, and that That would be annoying. But we can still be a really, really, really good team next season as long as we address the other areas. Um, We've got a bunch of stuff here on the Anfield Index website. There is a piece about Real Madrid getting, or allegedly getting, uh, Jude Bellingham. And the, the Twitter meltdown was funny, but yeah, the news team have put together a quick piece there. There is a piece about Trent and the strangeness of assists. That's written by Andrew Beasley. Uh, Lessons Learned from the Fulham Game, written by David Davis. Tiago, A Final Year of Luxuries, also written by David Davis. Um, And then there's a piece about Alison. Alison Close to Tears as Clean Sheet Boosts Golden Glove bid that was put together by the news team as well podcast wise there is the latest under pressure if you haven't heard it there is um the red alert pod with dave davis and and mark evans it's out under a pro plus it's a monthly review from april and then there's the nina cowzer show with justin and steve and post-match raw with myself trev and carl so you can check all of those out uh you will have to uh You will have to forgive Trev's grumpiness at the start of the podcast. He had some technical difficulties and may well well be forced to miss a couple of rows as he makes his way to America to hunt down any and all creators of Skype and probably Bill Gates as well. But, you know, the man has to do what he has to do. That's all I've got today. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.